When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. Glad you're with us. Well, L.A. Times poll has Trump by three. We'll get to our pollsters coming up later in the uh, program today. Real clear politics average. Now, didn't I say two weeks ago that that was Trump's best week? And last week was his next best week. And he seems to be stringing together better days, better weeks, better days, better weeks. And why is that all happening? I'm going to get to that in a few minutes uh, in the course of the program. My advice to Trump with 70 days out. I also have some words that I want to put out there to all you anti-Trumper people because you break it, you own it. And I'm going to explain exactly what I mean, because if Hillary wins, I'm holding all of you accountable. And if Trump wins and you want to hold me accountable, that's a fair deal. And I'll explain that in the course of the uh, program today. You know, I want to say, you know, it is hilarious that, you know, this tech company that, what is it called? Um, this this server wiping company, Bleach Bit. Anyway, so this tech company's out there. I mean, you got to laugh at this because my Ed Henry of Fox News asked Hillary Clinton during the campaign, well, did you clean the server? And she, you mean like with like a cloth, Ed? Is that you mean like with a cloth? Remember did that? Did you wipe the server? What, like with a cloth or something? No. Well, Bleach Bit, this is a pretty fascinating discovery. Bleach Bit is the service that the House Select Committee on Benghazi Chairman Trey Gowdy was referring to when he said that Hillary Clinton used this service to delete the emails from her personal server. Now, the company is bragging that Hillary used their their technology. And it's pretty fascinating, actually, to watch all this thing. Now, Hillary's swearing there's not going to be anything bad, nothing bad in the 15,000 emails that came out last week and that she tried to keep hidden from Congress, even though they were requested years ago. She claims they won't contain any information that might damage a presidential campaign. Quote, I'm sure there won't be anything, and I'm sure that I have a strong foundation of understanding about the Clinton Foundation, not to have a play on words, that the kind of work the foundation has done, which attracted donors from around the world, is work that went right into providing services to people. 
Every single person. Okay. Well, why did they not recover them sooner? Now, Trey Gowdy on Fox News Sunday, I mean, it was hilarious. He discovered and released information. They used a software program. It's called Bleach Bit. By the way, if you want to clean your server, I suggest you get Bleach Bit. Because she didn't use a cloth. They actually, they wanted this thing. This prevents recovery totally and hides traces of deleted files. You know, Trey Gowdy said they didn't just push the delete button. They had them deleted so even God couldn't read them. What a great line by him. Anyway, the website advertising BleachBit describes the product, quote, beyond simply deleting files, BleachBit includes advanced features such as shredding files to prevent recovery, wiping free disk space to hide traces of files deleted by other applications. And now BleachBit is actually out there pointing out on, on Twitter that, well, they're comparing the situation to the 18 minutes of audio erased in the tapes from President Nixon in the Oval Office. I mean, it goes on to say, well, last year when Clinton was asked about wiping her email server, she joked, you mean like with a cloth? Well, it turns out now the bleach bit was that cloth. And as of the time of writing, bleach bit has not been served a warrant or a subpoena in relation to the email. It's not their fault. They use their product. There's nothing there's nothing illegal about it that I know. Anyway, so the bleach bit creator says there is some possibility of finding some of the emails, but whoever did this, they they wanted to get rid of all of them. Now, with the poll numbers now tightening, it's now tied in Ohio, Emerson poll. It's a three-point race in Florida in one poll, Trump plus one in another poll. I mean, state polls tend to mean more than these national polls to me. You have a tightening in Michigan. It's a five-point race. That, Michigan's in play, and it should be in play. And I know what Hillary and Bill Clinton's plan is. Bill Clinton said, well, we got 10,000 structures here, and what we can do is they're structurally sound. We can, well, we're going to be the beneficiary. Uh, we'll take in all the Syrian refugees. Syria's going to lose out because we'll have all those Syrian refugees here. Well, we have the 10,000 Syrian refugees already that Obama took in. He wants to take in 30,000 more. Hillary Clinton wants a 550 percent increase in syrian refugees we can build a new city here's the problem what jobs are they going to have because you have 95 million americans out of the labor force all right here's my advice to donald trump in these final 70 days for what it's worth these you know i love the new york times jim rutin hannity official advisor so i'm talking to this nitwit at the new york times and i'm saying to him um anybody that wants to listen to me are free to listen to my radio and tv program and if they want to hear my advice, you can listen every day. Here's my official advice. Number one, you've got to keep doing what you're doing that is clearly working and is resulting in a tightening of the polls. And that is Donald Trump's not talking about Judge Curiel. Donald Trump is not talking about a gold star father. I know he tweeted out about Mika and Joe, but he's wasting his time talking about Mika and Joe because... 99% of the country don't even know who Mika and Joe are. And if they do know, they're not watching them, according to Nielsen. So what's the point of engaging with Mika and Joe? It makes no sense to me. He ought to be focused on two people and two people only. He ought to be focused on Obama and Hillary. And by and large, the last two weeks, he has done that. Now, the other component to this is Donald Trump is managing his social media a thousand times better now he's not being quiet on social media trump is being trump and 
he tweets out when he feels like tweeting out, but he's not engaging in these these fights with individuals that don't deserve his time and attention 70 days out of an election. And he needs to focus like a laser beam. That's my first bit of advice. Here's an odd piece of advice I'm going to throw out there. I think he just needs to have a little, just be himself and have fun. It's 70 days to go. Show the American people you have a fun, light side. I think it, he, everybody knows he's got a strong fastball, especially when he's talking about issues he feels passionate about, the, the economy or immigration or vetting refugees and defeating ISIS and protecting the homeland. I think he has shown that he's got a pretty strong fastball and he's willing to go high and inside when necessary against going up against an opponent. But I think there's this other side that his kids described at the convention. My advice for him would be to take a deep breath. It's 70 days. It's going to feel like a it's going to feel like a marathon, but it's really going to be a sprint. And I would pace himself every day from now until Election Day and have fun and smile and enjoy shaking hands and meeting the American people and kissing babies and taking selfies and doing whatever you do on the campaign trail. In the meantime, I would also stay on teleprompters so you don't go off script and stay on message. Now, I think one of his great gifts is he's not a politician, but not being a politician has greater risks, especially if you like Donald Trump and you're not politically correct. And maybe something comes out the way you don't want it to come out, and then that becomes a five-day distraction, and I don't think he needs that. He's going to give a big speech tomorrow, totally defining his immigration plan. From what I'm told, it's everything you already know. But I think putting it down in a prompter and reading it from the... By the way, honestly, he... The way Trump delivers prompter, it's very conversational. I think he's actually really good at it. And I think he does a good job. So I think, and the message gets across, and you don't get off message, and it has all the benefits of that. So I, I would stick to that. The next most important thing that I would advise at this point is, are you preparing for these debates? Because here's Hillary Clinton's strategy for the debates. Hillary Clinton and the Democrats have gone through every single solitary debate and moment Donald Trump has had in the last year and two months. They know everything that irritates, aggravates, upsets, hurts his feelings. And Hillary Clinton in the debates is going to try and poke and prod and and upset and anger Donald Trump. The whole strategy, she can't run on the economy because the economy is a mess. I tell you about that every day. She can't run on foreign policy. She certainly can't run on honesty, and she can't run as being ethical. So the only thing she's got left is to say, he's a Klansman, or something absurd like that. So Donald Trump needs to practice. And what I would do is I'd get the most irritating people. You know, we all know irritating people in our life. I would find the most irritating people in your life that, that really get under his skin. And I would feed them lines. And I'd have them poke and push and prod and punch and irritate, aggravate, hurt, upset his feelings. And I would do it an hour a day every day until he goes to the first debate with Hillary. Now, why would you want to irritate the candidate? Well, I want him to callous up. And I want him to create an impenetrable shield that no matter what Hillary Clinton says to him, he's going to smile and not get aggravated, upset, bubble and fizz like Alka-Seltzer in water and give her the reaction that she obviously wants and needs to win. 
So my advice is you need to hire professional, annoying people. Linda would probably be really good at it. All right, come on. That was a joke. Ethan pointed to you first behind your back so you know. I just, all right, you, you agree with me, right? All she's got is to piss him off. He can't allow himself to get pissed off. He needs an impenetrable shield. It's sort of like Batman or or Superman, bullets bouncing off him. He it's sort of you ever see water? If you pour water on a duck's back, what happens? It, it beads up and then it falls off. Water off a duck's back. And that's how he has to be. Now, the next thing is I wouldn't overprepare Donald Trump for debates. I would not fill his mind. No, I would give him my economic figures that I give you every day because it's such a disaster. I would recommend he bring them up because it shows failure that Hillary's going to continue. I would bring up her failure in Benghazi, Iraq, Afghanistan, Libya, Iran, Putin, etc. But he's got all that down. I think the most important thing you got to remember about debates, you don't remember the substance of the Reagan-Mondale debate. And for those of you too young out there, by the time they got to the second debate, there was a question in the media. Ronald Reagan did not have a sharp first debate, and people were asking whether or not, as an older president, if he was up for the job of a second term. And Ronald Reagan looked over at Walter Mondale and said, well, I am not going to let my opponents, youth and inexperience, be a factor in this campaign. And even Walter Mondale laughed. Game over, slam dunk, done. He won the presidency. I bet you can't remember one other moment in that debate, but you remember that. You remember Lloyd Benson turning to Dan Quayle, you're no Jack Kennedy. You remember that moment, even though they lost. Um, but there's camp debates are about moments. It's not he has the substance out. He's done enough interviews. He's studied enough on the issues. He doesn't have to go into the intricacies of the you know, the difference differences between the Sunni, you know, Saudis and the Shia Iranians and and, you know, how they they while they have differences in terms of the order of succession as it relates to the prophet Muhammad, that they still have fundamental radicalist views and different forms of it. But they still hate Israel, the United States and the West and in their own way, want different caliphates to advance and convert or die mentalities and this backwards you know the backwards views on women gays lesbians and other religions so he doesn't have to go into that deep he just has to know certain things which i think he already pretty much has down so the thing i would be working on is a quip and i think every answer needs three components in a debate one you turn to hillary you know sort of like reagan going to jimmy Carter. well there you go again in a nice way, you say you're a liar. In a nice way, you say you're dishonest. In a nice way, you say you're corrupt. In a nice way, you say you failed. And I'd go through every one of those things, and then I would say, then you pivot to their failure. If it's the economy, 95 million Americans out of work, uh, the lowest home ownership rate in 51 years, you've got the worst recovery since the 40s, you've got 12 million more Americans that are on food stamps, 8 million more in poverty, Black Americans, 58% increase in on food stamps, a 20% increase of them not participating in the labor force. You know, so you talk about the failure, and you say, well, I'm going to become energy independent. This is how we're going to create jobs. I'm going to lower taxes, incentivize companies to build manufacturing centers and factories. I'm going to allow the trillions of dollars multinational corporations have parked overseas 
to bring it back at a very, very low tax rate so they are incentivized to spend that money here. If we become coal independent and natural gas independent and energy and oil independent, I can create literally millions of high-paying jobs for Americans that are out of the labor force. And I'm going to reduce the debt that Obama doubled as he accumulated more debt than every other president before him combined. That's it. Here's my advice. Now, when I come back, I have a message for you anti-Trumper people. You own Hillary Clinton. National Review, you own it. Glenn Beck, you own it. You own it, Ted Cruz. You own it, Jeb Bush. You own it, Lindsey Graham. You own it, John Kasich. She wins. I'm blaming all of you. I'm, I'm holding you accountable for her Supreme Court decisions. I'm holding you accountable when America, when coal miners lose their jobs. I'm going to hold you accountable when refugees unvetted commit crimes, when American jobs are taken away by illegal immigrants. You own all of her policies. We've got the failure of Obamacare and all of its ugliness. I want to get to if I can this half hour. I got something I want to start with first that I think is more important. First, let me go over some numbers that I think are encouraging and will be encouraging to you. Uh, Reuters points out, according to at least one mainstream media survey out there today, that Hillary's poll numbers are in a free fall. The Reuters poll on August 22nd had a 12 point lead, 44-32 Hillary over Trump. By yesterday, one week later, her entire lead had evaporated. 12 points wiped out. 39.7 for Trump and I'm sorry, for Hillary and 39.1 for Trump. The biggest collapse in anybody's poll numbers that I can think of. So that's really good news. And that means now we're tied in Florida and we're tied in Ohio. And, you know, there's a lot of good news out there if you're a Trump person. You look at the L.A. Times poll. Remember last week, Democrats were picking out drapes for Hillary for the Oval Office, saying Donald Trump is so far behind in the polls, we might as well call off the election. Well, what a difference two good weeks of discipline that Trump can have. And Trump had a six-point surge in the L.A. Times poll, and he's now leading by three. Well, that's a pretty big poll, too. Now, there are polls that have him losing, but you know what? I still think it's a, a positive step, and I, you know, I keep telling everybody I listen to the polls. Oh, well, they're polls, too, and I follow them as well. There was one interesting fallout from Hillary's use of the race card. Hillary's campaign trying to paint Trump as a, a racist took a pretty big hit in the credibility department because the Daily Caller unearthed a videotape testimonial by the Reverend Jesse Jackson, who praises Donald Trump for his commitment to minorities. And Donald Trump is staying on message. He's going back to Detroit this weekend. Why is he going back to Detroit? To appeal to black Americans and say he wants their vote. At one poll that had him up to 14.6%. I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but that's better than the last eight Republican presidential candidates including Mitt Romney, who got, what, less than 7%. So anyway, Jackson had said, we need your people's skills, your gusto. He told an audience praising Trump as a model for people on Wall Street to represent diversity. Here's what he said. I do want to express thanks to you, Donald Trump, for being with us tonight. We need your building skills, your uh, gusto, your rent package for people on Wall Street who represent diversity. And uh, we thank you for coming tonight. Let's give Donald Trump a big hand. I now want to bring forth a 
friend who has, well, he is deceptive in that his social style is of such. One can miss his seriousness and his commitment for their success is beyond argument. Uh, when we opened this Wall Street project and we talked about it, you gave us space at 40 Wall Street, which was to make a statement about our having a presence there. And uh, beyond that, in terms of reaching out and being inclusive, he's done that too. And created for many people a comfort zone when I ran for the presidency uh, in 84 and 88. And many others uh, thought it was either laughable or something to avoid. He came to our business meeting here in New York because he has this sense of the curious. All right, we get the, we get the point. But Hillary did take $20,000 from a Klan guy out in... What, Orange County out in Los Angeles? Oh. But you know the way the media puts this out there? They're like, well, this guy could be a, this is all a setup. I'm like, oh, but Donald Trump's isn't. Yeah, the media just runs defense for her. Even top aides, before I get into this whole issue of never Trumpers in a second, new emails obtained by the Daily Caller show that senior staffers at the State Department, that even they were appalled by Hillary's reckless disregard for email security. Anyway, three months into her term as Secretary of State, two of her top aides complained to each other that someone had emailed her directly about a job at the State Department, according to a 2009 email chain obtained by the Daily Caller News Foundation. One aide worried that Clinton was giving her private email address, quote, to everyone. The other aide assured her that Clinton was not widely distributing the address, but that she was receiving forwarded email from her private Senate email address. Quote, personally, I think it's outrageous that staff goes straight to her on this stuff, said Uma Abedin, telling staff member Cheryl Mills in an April 3rd, 2009 exchange. This is unbelievable, and she should not be giving her email to everyone because she will get stuff like this, a frustrated Mills replied. It's a long story, Abedin answered. She's not giving her email to new people. People who email her old address at the Senate are now being forwarded to the new address. Most of her Senate staff had access to that address. Aberdeen also complained in April in an email exchange that Clinton took her unsecured BlackBerry cell phone everywhere. Aberdeen wanted an IT staffer to fix it, that the automatic forwarding of her old Senate emails to her boss, blah, 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 blah. And her insistence on using a BlackBerry caused a near rebellion by the National Security Administration and the Bureau of Diplomatic Security. They all objected to the use of an unsecure cell phone within the confines of her highly secured office within the State Department headquarters. By the way, I've been to the State Department. I've been there when Colin Powell was there. I've been there when Condi Rice was there. Do you realize before you can get in, you actually have to place all electronic devices in a particular safe before you can even enter the building? No, that's called security. So I guess I would have broken the law. All right, let me start with this. There is an aggravating, annoying series of events that are going on that needs to be addressed. And I've addressed it in the past a little, at some point, very pa- points pretty passionately. The never Trump dead enders, that's what I call them, now have actually taken it another step further. And they've launched a TV ad campaign. They want to sabotage. Any chance Donald Trump has of beating Hillary Clinton and they want to help Hillary Clinton become president. And let me be clear. If you're a Republican conservative and you're not supporting Trump, you are helping to make Hillary Clinton president. 
Just whether you want to hear that or not, that is a fact. It's indisputable. Incontrovertible evidence. If you're supporting Gary Johnson instead of Trump because you want to send a message, you're helping Hillary. That's my answer. That's what I believe, and I have a a certain fidelity to the truth to always be honest with my audience, and that is the truth. You want to vote for Gary Johnson, that's a half a vote for Hillary. You want to oppose Trump, you want to stay home, that's a half a vote for Hillary. Anyway, the ad is titled Keep Your Word. This is a dumb ad. It features footage of Trump during a Republican primary debate or a moment during the primary where he suggested he'd drop out if he saw his poll numbers decline. Number one, I'm not a masochist. And if I'm dropping in the polls where I saw I wasn't going to win, why would I continue? He said that in October in an NBC interview featured in the ad. It's almost a year ago. Anyway, so the graphic displayed political handicappers prediction of a landslide Trump loss accompanies his remarks The ad ends with a plea. Resign the nomination. Let the RNC replace you so we can beat Hillary. The 30-second ad is marked for limited run on broadcast networks in Florida, Virginia, Ohio, Michigan. Now, the ad is backed by a five-figure buy, and the group hopes to eventually expand its run to the Fox News channel. Great. I hope they don't run it during my show. You're wasting your money because I'll come on right after and say that's a waste of money. Don't listen to that ad. Because it would be a waste of money. Here's what I want to tell you. I want to start with the candidates. John Kasich, you made a pledge. You're the governor. You've been a friend of mine a long time. You made a pledge you'd support the nominee. You have not, you have not kept your promise. How can I trust you if you ever want to run for president again? Your word is your bond in life. You broke your word. Governor Jeb Bush, you gave your word. You gave a promise. You're not supporting the candidate. How do we trust you? The same thing goes for Lindsey Graham. Boys like Ted Cruz think he could be a great president one day. But Ted Cruz has not lived up to his word either. Senator Cruz, yes or no, you will support Donald Trump if he's the nominee. Yes, because I gave my word that I would. And then what I have endeavored to do every day in the Senate is do what I said I would do. You know, just on Tuesday, we saw an overwhelming victory. In the right, we get t- the point. I don't want to single out Ted Cruz. I actually think of those four that the guy that will come around is going to be Ted Cruz. That's my opinion, because I think he's a man of integrity. But we'll see. It's taken him an awfully long time to get there, in my humble opinion. Now, to the rest of you all out there, let me just say, whether you want to hear it or not, I don't care if you're Wall Street Journal, some people at National Review like Jonah Goldberg, National Review in general, you know, with all due respect Both my kids are pretty competitive athletes. And one of the things you learn being an athlete is you got to learn to be a gracious winner and a good loser if you lose. You can't be a sore loser in life. And some of you people are acting like sore loser, crybaby, bad sports, pick your toys up and go home type of people. Now, my promise to my audience and March of 2015 was I'm going to give as much airtime to all the candidates on radio and TV and let the people decide. And they decided in record numbers, Donald Trump. And then I said in March of 2016 that I'm going to support the nominee and some of you are going to be emotional. And I knew that this was going to happen. Well, let me just say to all of you, and that includes the commentator class, that includes the Jonah Goldberg class, that includes, you know, radio talk show host Glenn Beck is like on a, it's a holy war for him at this point. I mean, he's, he's off the rails 
attacking me every day, blaming me for Trump. Well, no, I was fair to everybody, Glenn, whether you want to admit it or not. I know I was fair. My conscience is clear. And I, frankly, I'll, I'll proudly pull the lever for Donald Trump with a clear conscience. And here's what I want all of you to know. Now, I do make certain caveats. Here's a couple of friends of mine that don't like Donald Trump, don't like his, his presentation, don't like his demeanor. Okay, I get it. You know, there's other friends of mine that were very close to to Senator Ted Cruz. All right, I can make exceptions there. There are extenuating circumstances for people. A friend of mine who's a coach said that they've got to use their discernment for the best possible outcome, best scenario, worst scenario, is how they judge things. You know, with Trump, even if you're a never-Trumper, the worst scenario is maybe you don't like the way he say things. He's saying things. With Hillary, you get a known pathological congenital liar. With Trump, you have someone who be- could become a great leader and could do great things and really change this country if he does what he says he's going to do. With Hillary, your country, your constitution, and all it has stood for will continue a rapid decline to a point where it may be destroyed. And the very frightening thing is so many U.S. citizens might want to have a liar than somebody who's politically incorrect as president. Well, I'm telling you right now, if you're a coach, you're not, you don't want the liar on your team. And that's what you're going to get. And somebody who has sold her office for money. So here's what I say to all of you never Trumpers. Glenn Beck, I hope you're listening. You own Hillary Clinton's Supreme Court appointments. You own it. You are doing everything you can do to cast doubt in people's minds. Trump gave us a list. You own her Supreme Court nominees. You own the unvetted refugees and the 550% increase you will bring into this country. You own the jobs that illegal immigrants will take from the 95 million Americans out of the labor force. You own Obamacare, which is a disaster for this country. You own education because she's beholden to the NEA. And if we don't improve the lives of 95 million Americans out of the labor force, I blame you for that, too. Because you're helping elect her. And I'm also saying that, hey, we have a $4,100 increase in health care payments since Obama's been president. It's only going to go higher. You get responsibility for that, too. We've got 12 million more Americans on food stamps. If that increases, I'm going to blame you. We have 46 million total. We have 8 million more Americans living in poverty. 50 million Americans in poverty. If that gets worse, I'm blaming you. You know, we have the worst home ownership rate in 51 years. If that gets worse, guess who I'm blaming? I'm blaming all of you. Arrogant, stubborn, lying about what Trump has said and his record, purposefully distorting, creating doubt, misperception. And you're so obsessed, some of you, with Trump, you don't even go over how corrupt Hillary is and what a disaster Obama has been. And if we have one in five American families four years from now, Still, without a single family member working, I'm blaming you. And if in four years from now we have one in six American men, 18 to 34, in jail or living in mommy's basement, I'll still blame you. And if we continue to build up more debt than every other president combined, like Obama did, well, that's your debt, and that's the money you're helping to steal from our kids. And we have the lowest labor force participation rate since the 70s, Well, I blame you for that. And if we elect a president because you're so stubborn, arrogant, and stupid that can't say radical Islam, 
and can't engage an enemy and identify it, that's your fault as well. And if you help elect the single most corrupt person to ever seek the presidency, somebody who lies like she did, somebody who has sold out her office for gain like she has, somebody who has failed on Iran and ISIS and radical Islam in general and Iraq and Syria and North Africa and Libya, I blame you. Now you're going to say, Hannity, we blame you. You gave Donald Trump time on your show. And I gave every other candidate time. His agenda is infinitely better than hers. And if you can't see that, then that's your problem. You own it. You own her. You own every dumb thing she's about to do. I blame you. Got it? I'm going to name names regularly if she wins. Now, on the flip side of it, if Trump wins and doesn't keep the promises I mentioned, blame me. I'll take the blame and responsibility. Okay? I'm gladly. I, I will proudly pull the lever for Trump. My next question is, and this is where you, you seem to, in the last week, be revisiting the issue of sending everybody back that is here illegally. Tell us where you stand on that. We want to follow the laws. You know, we have very strong laws. We have very strong laws in this country. And I don't know if you know, but Bush and even Obama sends people back. Now, we can be more aggressive in that, but we want to follow the laws. If you start going around trying to make new laws in this country, it's a process that's brutal. We want to follow the laws of the country. And if we follow the laws, we can do what we have to do. Does that but John, let, let, me, yeah. let me tell you, so, so important. We've got some great people in this country. They shouldn't be here. They're still great people. All right. But we've got some really, really bad gang members and some horrible people. Start with them. Those people are going out day one. They're going to be the first order I sign. They're going out day one. The truth is, the big loser in this over the long run is going to be Syria. This is an enormous opportunity for Americans. Detroit has 10,000 empty, structurally sound houses. 10,000. And a lot of jobs to be had repairing those houses. But Detroit just came out of bankruptcy, and the mayor's trying to do an innovative sort of urban homesteading program there. But it, it just gives you an example of what could be done. And I think any of us who've ever had any personal experience with either Syrian Americans or Syrian refugees think it's a pretty good deal. He asked people, literally coming off the boat, and filmed them, hundreds and hundreds of them, what were you doing before you left your home? And they were overwhelmingly small business people, workers, and not a small number of professionals. And I think it's important that I know what caused all the fear and reluctance. It was Paris, because 6,000 people went from Europe to ISIS land. About 1,500 came home. If 1% of them was radicalized and sort of sneaked back in with evil intentions, that's about how many people it took to kill all those people in Paris. So people are thinking like that. But the tradition of the Syrians is amazing in America. Most Syrians live, or the largest Syrian settlements are in Cleveland and Dearborn, Michigan. And if you went up there and said something bad about them, you could get in a fight, not with a Syrian, with someone who's Irish or African-American or Hispanic or Polish, because they are such a part of the community. They have made such amazing contributions. And I think your vouching for that is important. 
All right, that's Bill Clinton saying, well, Syrian refugees, by the way, we can rebuild Detroit. We've got 10,000 structurally sound buildings. And, of course, there's been a mass exodus out of the once great city of Detroit in Michigan. You want to see liberalism and the, the ravages of it, you can look at cities like Detroit as Exhibit A. And uh, before that, we had Donald Trump, his talk about immigration. He's got his big speech coming up tomorrow. Latest poll numbers show, by the way, Hour 2, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN is our number. You've got the latest L.A. Times presidential tracking poll has Trump today by three. We're going to examine these numbers, break down the demographics. NBC News has Clinton by four. If you look at the Emerson, Pennsylvania poll, very close within the margin of error, Clinton three plus three, Ohio, it's uh, tied exactly 43-43. Michigan, it's Clinton plus five, just outside the margin of error. In Florida, you've got two polls that have Donald Trump plus one, and so there has certainly been a tightening in this race. Uh, All throughout this next 70 days, we will be having our pollsters on regularly. John uh, John McLaughlin is the founder of the McLaughlin & Associates Group. Doug Schoen is a pollster, author, political analyst for Fox News, Welcome all of you back to the program. Uh, No doubt, John McLaughlin, that there's been a a dramatic shift. I would associate it with three specific reasons. One, Trump seems to be on message by staying on prompter. He's not engaged in extraneous fights with with people like Mr. Khan and others. Uh, Number two, he's dealing heavily with substance. And number three, Hillary seems to be imploding. Revelations about her, 15,000 more emails selling access to those people that came to to the secretary's office while she was Secretary of State, and the financial contributions they made to get that access, that has not been playing well for her. Also, I think that she overreached with the use of the the race ad and painting Donald Trump as a Klan member. I think everybody saw it as absurd and over-the-top and typical Washington politics. Well, you're exactly right about those trends and what's happening. And it's more of a grind-up, because the thing we've talked about before is she's capped in the low 40s. The majority of Americans don't want to vote for her. And what, what Trump has to really look at now is, where's Gary Johnson getting this vote? This NBC poll that you cited where she's at 41%, meaning 59% of Americans don't want to vote for Hillary Clinton. Uh, but Trump's only 37. Johnson's at 11. Most of the votes that Johnson is holding belongs to Republicans. The Republicans that I'm doing, incumbents for Congress and Senate, they're winning 90% of the Trump votes, so he's our floor. The Clinton vote, we're get, if they're a positive incumbent, popular incumbent, they're getting some. But the Johnson vote is voting 70 to 80 percent for Republicans for Congress and Senate. It's, it's so much like 1992 when the Perot vote took Republican votes where the, we would have to get, like, George H.W. Bush, we would get 90 percent of his vote, and then to win we would get two-thirds of the Perot vote. So what's happening is Hillary Clinton, realizing that she can't get these voters to vote for her, is driving them off to a third-party candidate, and you watch. The Clinton people will be spinning to include Johnson in the debates. They will manufacture a poll that he gets 15%, and they are putting them there precisely so those votes don't go back for Donald Trump because they, they agree with Trump more on the issues than they do Johnson. Johnson with this libertarian agenda. The libertarian parties for slashing defense. They're for legalizing pot. They're for all sorts of stuff. That a lot of these mainstream Republicans, where if they knew what the party stood for, would leave them and go to Trump. What do you think, Doug Schoen? I mean, you've seen your candidate, Hillary Clinton. Her her poll numbers cut more than half, by the way, in the last two weeks. You see the scandal that she's now facing. 
more than half of the private citizens she met while Secretary of State are all people that contributed to the Clinton Foundation or made pledges to contribute to the Clinton Foundation. On top of that, many of them were given connections that afforded them the opportunity to make even more money, and one has to assume that some of that money makes its way back to the Clinton Foundation. And then, of course, when under fire, she tries to distract the public's attention and comes out with the most incendiary race ad that we have seen this election season. What I think, Sean, is that the race has tightened a point or two. As I looked at no, the real, if you look at the real clear politics <laughs> number, it was seven points about two weeks ago, and now it's down to four. Well, the I think the uh, I looked this morning it was five in the two way. No, it was four point two this morning, and yeah, that was most, before the L.A. Times poll came out, where Trump is up three in most states. And that, Sean, that, sorry to interrupt. That to me, John, is an, the look. Your analysis is fine, John. Problem with the L.A. Times poll is it is a panel study done online. With constant re-interviewing. So methodologically, Sean, it is an outlier. It's been seven to ten points more pro-Trump. You take that out, and yeah, there's some tightening. But John's analysis is exactly right. It's what Secretary Clinton is doing, which is to deflect, 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 run negative ads, and hope to drive votes either away from Trump or to not voting at all. So I like where the Secretary of State is now. She's in a stronger position certainly than Trump. She's got an 80% chance to win, according to every rating service. And Sean, it could well turn. I've tried to be intellectually honest on your show always. Could well turn. But right now, if I was a betting man, which I'm not, I would bet on Hillary. What do you think, John McLaughlin? If you're a betting man, like, for example, Nate Silver, 538, texted, I'm sorry, tweeted out that, well, people like Hannity don't believe the polls. That's just not true. I actually do believe in polling. I think some are outliers. I think you kind of look at, you know, the highest and the lowest, and maybe you throw those out, and then you look at the aggregate numbers, and there's certainly been a pretty dramatic shift in the last two weeks. I attribute that to the fact that I think Trump is more disciplined, more on message, more substantive, and Hillary's ethical issues are, are keep coming to the fore. Things are grinding away in Trump's favor right now because she's frozen. And 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 uh, where I do agree with Doug is, uh, uh, you know, so the the L.A. Times poll looks like an outlier. But what I was referring to was the NBC Survey Monkey Survey, which had twenty four thousand people online, and we've we've been pioneering online surveys for for years. And to me, that looked it's a four point race, forty one thirty seven. And when I'm looking at this race, is it's a four way race. Johnson's on the ballot, Stein's on the ballot in over 30 states, and they're picking up the qualifying and more. I think, I think Johnson's going to qualify in Virginia now uh, based on what he filed yesterday. So it's, a, it's like the race one when I was working for Arnold Schwarzenegger when you had uh, the recall election where you had 130 candidates on the ballot. Or, you have, or when we work overseas and you're working in like uh, Israel or U.K. or Canada where you have a multi-candidate race. And what you have to look at is the undecided vote now practically disappears. And really what you look at is you look at the third parties and you say, where can we steal votes? Whatever Stein's getting is coming straight out of Clinton. And if I was Trump, no way would I let them put Johnson in a a national debate with me if they don't include Stein. But on the other hand, the, the libertarian vote, it's coming out of Trump. And Hillary Clinton is attacking Trump to park those the voters over on for Johnson so they don't fall in for Trump. Let, let me give some free advice, uh, Sean, to your candidate. He's been running ads on the economy, on immigration. There's only one issue in this race. John McLaughlin knows it. It's change. If you want to change Washington, corruption, the economy, politics, deal, you know, 
politics as usual. It's change and Trump, outsider. He hasn't gotten back to that message. Sean, I do this for a living, done it for 40 years. I'm uh, about winning and losing, not idiotic. I don't disagree with Trump one thing you just said, Trump. John. What do you think? I agree with that totally. I, agree I don't with talk him. to him. You do. Is, 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 you are with him all the time. Doug is right. Doug is right because... Well, now you sound like the New York Times accusing me of being an advisor. I mean... <laughs> no, I'm not saying you're an advisor. You're with him a hell of a lot more than I am. You know... <laughs> All right, you want to know... Here, listen, you're asking... I'll tell you what my advice is to Trump. You, and you guys sure. tell me if I'm right or wrong. One, I think he's got to maintain the, the focus of only talking about Hillary, Obama, and his solutions to a troubled country in decline. Number two, I think that he needs to stay on message, avoid any distractions whatsoever. Number three... I think that if I'm Donald Trump or I'm his campaign manager, I'm going to tell him, you better prepare for the debates. And by preparing, that doesn't mean he needs to know the name of every radical Islamic group that might represent a threat to us. I would say that every question is three answers. One, you can have a quip back to Hillary, because I think Hillary's going to be poking and prodding and trying to irritate, agitate, hurt, upset his feelings and make him bubble and fizz like Alex Seltzer in water by pissing him off. Nothing should piss him off. He should have an impenetrable shield. Every answer in the debate should have a quip back to her. It should talk about her failure and Obama's failure and his solutions to the problem. That's my advice to Trump. That's very good advice, Sean. I hope he listens. Uh, but the key word, change. John McLaughlin. Yeah, I agree with that. Can you ex explain how voters think about this stuff so that our audience understands what Trump's not doing? See, see Doug probably reads our polls because we, we got our... Our majorities in Congress were elect, elected and reelected on being a check and balance on Obama. And I realized last fall we had to decide, well, what are we going to do to change our strategy? Well, we started asking a question. Do you want to continue Barack Obama's policies or do you want to change and move away from Barack Obama's policies? And even if they like Obama, the majority of Americans have told right. us they want to move away because it's a failure on it, on the the board is not secure. It's a failure on the economy, and security is not right. working. So the last time we published it, it was fifty six thirty uh, fifty six thirty four. They said change, and that's why Trump in the convention when he finally went ahead in the polls after the convention, it was precisely on that change message. And what was amazing was the week after in the Democrat convention, they were talking about Hillary being a change maker and had spontaneous demonstrations with signs that Hillary was good change. John. It was crazy. But then Trump got sidetracked, yep. as Sean said. But change, change, change. Exactly as you say, if you can reach Kellyanne or Bannon or Trump and get them to buy into this, this yep. gives them a real shot. Because you're telling it straight, Sean. It gives I'm us for hope. Hillary. I'm for the secretary, but I'm giving your audience straight though. No, it's good advice. Plus, it's like the other part that the change message does is: Do you know how many people didn't vote in the last election in 2012 exactly. for president that were eligible? 90 million voters. And exactly. we've surveyed in 2013. We surveyed those voters. They didn't like Barack Obama. They were mostly right of center independents who were working class, making under 60,000, mostly women. They walked away from the election because the, the Obama ads drove them to walk away from Romney, and that's well, what Hillary's trying if, to do. If Trump right can now. just add to the base, remember, you right. have all these Republicans that have hurt him. 
the the Wall Street Journal types, the NRO types, the other candidates that haven't endorsed him, the John Kasichs of the world, etc. I mean, if he increased his base from 73 to 90 percent, he's showing... It, the race is a tie, Sean, if he does. No, if he does that, he wins, because yeah, he's already right. winning independence. And with Doug's point about the change message, you know what the change they want? They're living paycheck to paycheck. They want economic right. growth. They want, they right. want pay raises, and they want to find good All jobs. Right. I've got a roll, but uh, guys, good insight from both of you. When we come back, wide open telephones, toll free. It's 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Whether you're a Democrat, Republican, or Independent, you've got a right to know about the person who is running to be your president or commander-in-chief. You've got a right to know everything you need to know to judge whether a candidate will work for you, will work for the country, or is only in it for himself. Voters tend to ask candidates a few simple questions. You want to know if we'll disclose our finances so you can understand how we've managed our own household or business and see if we owe anybody anything. We want to make sure that candidates aren't involved in any foreign entanglements that could impact our national security. And we want to know that they're in good enough health to perform their duties. When candidates are on the up and up, they have no problem disclosing information on all these points. You have a right to know. You have a right to expect. And a candidate that's on the up and up has no problem giving you the facts. Don't you someday want to see a woman president of the United States of America? All right, 25 now till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, Tim Kaine earlier today, and yeah, okay, never ending. Look, I think she's overreached here. Look, the other thing that's happening, all these revelations, look at the campaign contributors, look at the people that got access. You got access if, in fact, you're a Clinton Foundation donor. You got connections if you were a Clinton Foundation donor. They reap the benefits because they either got paid backdoor through speeches or through more donations to the Clinton Foundation. If, for example, they help some friend of theirs that donated to the Clinton Foundation, they meet with him. They meet with officials from Columbia. Then those officials from Columbia allow this guy that donated to the Clintons to get the forestry rights in, in the entire country of Columbia. Well, what happens then? Then they get more money sent back to the Clinton Foundation. Doesn't matter if you finance Hezbollah, you're denied access to the country. As long as you give money, it doesn't seem to matter. And Hillary Clinton, nobody's going to go back to the day after 9-11 when she said it's okay to profile Muslims on This Week with Sam Donaldson. Let's talk about American life now, though. What happens in the future from the standpoint of the question of security versus relaxation or giving up some of the freedoms that we've enjoyed in this, in this country? How far do we go, for instance, on air, airline security? Well, I think everyone recognizes we have to tighten security. We have to do whatever it takes to keep our people safe. Um, including profiling, Senator? Well, I think we have to do whatever it takes, Sam, and I believe that, you know, Tuesday changed everything. Oh, Tuesday, thing. whatever it takes, Sam. We got to profile. Sure, we're going to profile Muslims. Oh, Donald Trump wants extreme vetting. Well, how did we go from that position the Sunday after the Tuesday on 9-11? How did we go from there to where she is today, which is she wants a 550% increase in refugees from Syria? Some 99.5% that are Muslim. Only 0.5%, even though there's been Christian genocide, they don't seem to get the same access to our country as, as Muslim refugees. Now, there are other ways to take care of Syr Syrian refugees. There's plenty of ways, including creating a safe zone for them. But that's not an option for Hillary. Apparently, that's not as compassionate enough. 
The question is, with the U.S. preparing to absorb Syrian refugees, how do you propose we screen those coming in to keep our citizens safe? I think that is the number one requirement. I also said that we should take uh, uh, increased numbers of refugees. The administration originally said 10. I said we should go to 65, but only if we have as careful a screening and vetting process as we can imagine, whatever resources it takes. Uh, because I do not want us to uh, in any way uh, inadvertently allow people who wish us harm to come into our country. Well, that's happening because we know because our CIA director, our FBI director, our assistant FBI director, our House Homeland Security chairman and our former special envoy to defeat ISIS said there's no way you can possibly vet them all. But Bill Clinton's out there suggesting we could rebuild the tri- We have 10,000 structures there. The structurally sound, literally, we're going to be the beneficiary. Syria's going to lose because we're going to allow them to rebuild Detroit. Okay, where are the jobs going to come from? You got 10,000, all right, you got 10,000 homes, let's say four people per home, that's 40,000 more. Okay, that's 40,000 more people when we have 95 million Americans already out of the labor force. It doesn't make sense at all. Not even in the least bit. You know, you have all these people with deep ties to the Clinton Foundation and the Clinton Initiative. And all of it is one big quid pro quo buying access. And nobody seems to care. Hillary comes out last week, plays the race card right in the middle of discovering that, in fact, more than half the people she saw as private individuals as Secretary of State are all people that contributed or pledged. And she comes up and she plays the race card to the nth thousandth degree and then nobody notices in the middle of the clan ad well that hillary clinton herself apparently got twenty thousand dollars and has got the support of a grand dragon that lives out in california whoops oopsie daisy you know donald trump is a fair game if he points that out to people you know we live in very dangerous times the administration is bragging well, that they've hit their 10,000-plus Syrian refugee target. They've actually gone above it, 10,126. Well, only 0.5% are Christian. We've had many people, Narain Enwaya on this program and others, talking about the Yazidis and Christians and genocide that's being ignored by the entire country and the entire world, mostly. The White House is gratified with the admission of 10,000 Syrian refugees. They want to ramp up their commitment. 30,000 more Syrian refugees are waiting in the wings, and Hillary wants a 550% increase. It's pretty amazing to me that nobody seems to pay attention to that. What's going to happen if one of these refugees, like what happened in Great Britain and Paris and, and France and Belgium and Germany, what if they start committing horrible crimes? What if they commit acts of terrorism? Well, Secretary of State John Kerry said, Yesterday, during an appearance in Bangladesh, that the media could do us all a service. Get this. If they didn't cover terrorism quite as much, no country is immune from terrorism, he said. It's easy to terrorize. So the media is to blame for covering the terrorist attacks. Why? Because we can't then vet their programs and their admission of people that we can't possibly vet and use it. As an example of how they have blood on their hands for making poor decisions and not listening to our our intelligence officials that are saying all top officials saying that this is going to happen. It's insanity to me. It's just insanity. But that's the way the world is. All right. Let's go to our busy telephones. Felix is in Pennsylvania. Felix. Hi. How are you? And we're glad you called. Oh, sure. Oh, my gosh. It's such a pleasure to speak with you. 
Um, real quick, I have a, a term I've coined that you might want to use. I like to call it the Gingrich Sharia litmus test. But that's not actually the reason behind my call. I have a message for all those disgruntled, disenfranchised, never Trump Ted Cruz supporters and these men of principle who vilify Trump for labeling Cruz lying Ted. I would really like to be specific about this. Well, what do you want to say about this? I mean, look, I'm, okay. I'm, look I don't dislike Ted Cruz. I like Ted Cruz. I'm oh, just, no, I, he was my second choice. I really like the guy, too. I am but disappointed that, you know, he didn't endorse like he promised. I understand things got personal, but he got personal, well, I, too. Specifically, it got, he, he actually uh, he was wrong also when he, t- he was started saying Donald Trump was intimidated by strong women. That was a lie that was perpetrated by the results of that first debate, because Donald Trump actually knocked that question out of the park that Megyn Kelly asked him. Yeah, look, I think that I, I, don't, I agree with you. I think he did. But with, that, with, with, that, but with that said, I mean, it became a narrative. And, you know, this goes to the heart of one of my things that I believe Donald Trump in the next 70 days needs to do. I think I don't think you should talk about Joe and Mika. Nobody watches Joe and Mika. Nobody. I mean, I don't think you should talk about a gold star father. I don't think you should talk about a judge. I think you should, you know, for me, it's got to be laser beam focus from here on in. And the focus is on America's in decline. America's in the wrong direction, that he, he has solutions to America's problems and that it's time to change course. That's what I think the message ought to be. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100 percent. But I just thought I might want to clarify exactly, you know, where I was on that. Well, I appreciate it. Anyway, glad you called, and uh, thank you for checking in with us. Back to our busy phones. Let's say hi to Jerry in California. Jerry, hi, how are you? And we're glad you called. Sean, I'm doing well. Thank you for taking my call. You're a great American. Keep doing what you do. I don't know how you can stand it. Well, I appreciate your kind words. Thank you. So what I wanted to suggest with, with Trump, you know, first of all, Look at that new campaign manager. She is doing an amazing job. I think it's fine with where he is right now. Yeah, pick up your phone, by the way. You're on speakerphone. It's hard for us to hear you. Can you pick up your phone? How's that? Yeah. A thousand times better. Why didn't you do it in the first place? Didn't she tell you to put... You didn't say it then. Oh, boy. It's it's call, right. it's hey, it's call... Wait a minute. The... It's talk radio caller 101. Get off the speaker. We want to hear your... There we go. Now I know. Resonating voice. Go ahead. So I like that, um, you know, Trump, look at his new campaign manager. He's not afraid to do what has to be done. If somebody is not working right, they're going to get fired. Unlike our political system today and all the people that are in tow with it that are going to, you know, never suffer consequences because we are in a state of things don't pertain to me. I'm going to become a new world leader like Putin. So I want to tell all the never Trumpers. You know what? He speaks like one of us. Even though, you know, he grew up wealthy and he's used to yes-men, he still speaks his mind and he's just human. And that's one of the endearing qualities about him, if people can just tend to see that. I you, think you know, you, I, there's something to be something. said here. You know, I think I've never actually thought about what you're saying before. I think this is really, really important because... and. Look, there's something about the way he made his money, and that is risk. And I don't know, maybe it's because of my years in construction and the restaurant business, but when you get down and dirty and you're working with your hands and you see what it takes to 
you know, drag two by twelves all the way upstairs as joists to be used in a construction project and you're building and you're risking and you're working with unions and you're trying to make a profit at the end of a long project like building a Trump Tower or something like that. And you know what? It's very difficult. You know, compare that to the way the Clintons made their money. They they use their public office to build up their name recognition. Then they go out and they basically use that name and use that time in office to capitalize on giving speeches for, what, $250,000, $500,000 a pop for an hour. Who makes that kind of money? Who makes that kind of money for an hour's work? Nobody but the Clintons. I guess Donald Trump could probably get a pretty good hefty fee if he went out and did speeches, but that's not how he made his money. And I think that keeps him in touch with how real people make real money versus the way the Clintons have made their money. And then you add to that all the corruption and all the people that give to the Clinton Foundation. You know, there's always strings attached in those type of, of business deals. The Saudis didn't give Hillary Clinton money for nothing because they like her. They did it to buy access. And when the crown prince of Bahrain needed access, well, he went to the Clinton Foundation, of which he was a donor. And the Clinton Foundation head, Doug Ban, contacted Uma Abedin and Cheryl Mills while Hillary Clinton was secretary of state and said, hey, this is a top guy. He needs to see her. And he made that happen for her. Nobody gives you millions of dollars not expecting access. It's just the way the game is played. And I think that's what people are sick of. And I think that's adding and contributing to her decline. But go ahead. You get the last word. Well, uh, well, thank you so much. One of the other things are, you know, let's look at the trail of, you know, accidental deaths. So Assange is in a, um, an embassy right now. I wonder if he's going to accidentally drown in the pool. You know, what? let's look at their time frame and all the people that they've known. And you know what? If, if you cross them, somehow something mysterious may happen. I'm wondering what kind of photos Bill Clinton showed uh, Loretta Lynch on the airplane that uh, would make her. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. I have no idea what's going to. That's a good question. You know, what did Loretta Lynch, what do they have on James Comey? Who knows? And that game is played all the time, too. I mean, look, politics has become so corrupt. I mean, it's almost like a modified version. And I, I put emphasis on modified of of the way the mob works. There's a lot of intimidation, a lot of blackmailing that goes on, a lot of winking and nodding and quid pro quos, and you do this for me and I'll do this for you, a lot of back scratching. But there's no real there's no real product that's created. If anything, we're better off with government staying home nine you know, three hundred and sixty four days a year. I think we'd be better off in the long run. We'd save a lot of money. Anyway, I've got to run, but I think you raise a lot of good points. Um you know, I think Trump has got a I think the more he talks about that, the better he will do, in my opinion. All right, we've got our news roundup information overload when we come back. We'll also get to a lot more of your calls in the next hour. I made this case and that we had to go forward. We had no choice anymore but to go for a special counsel. And, man, she just jumped down my throat. It was fierce and chilling. She kind of belittled him in front of everybody. And, and anybody that stood up and tried to say this is a bad idea was, you know, smashed down and belittled um, very personally. Did you ever throw a lamp at your husband? No, I didn't. Did you ever throw a Bible at your husband? No, I didn't. Do you have a terrible temper? No, but I do get angry about things. So I'm not going to deny that. If you go to the go to the end of the line. Okay. Why don't you go to the end of the line? Yeah, we'll take care. The fact is, we had four dead Americans. Was it because of a protest, or was it because of guys out for a walk one night who decided they'd go kill some Americans? 
What difference at this point does it make? You want me to tell you what my husband thinks? My husband is not the Secretary of State. I am. <laughs> so you ask my opinion, I will tell you my opinion. I'm not going to be channeling my husband. This woman, this little, little soft-spoken, pardon me for the phrase, dowdy woman, that was seen very unassertive, took a hold of my hand and squeezed it and said, do you understand everything that you do? I could have passed out at that moment. And she held on to my hand and she said, do you understand everything that you do? I mean, cold chills went up my spine. That's the first time I became afraid of that woman. I am so sick. I am so sick of the Sanders campaign lying about me. sick and tired of people who say that if you debate and you disagree with this administration, somehow you're not patriotic and we should stand up and say we are Americans and we have a right to debate and disagree with any administration. All right, News Roundup, Information Overload Hour on the Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. So who is the real Hillary Clinton? The media has not vetted her. Is she a person with a vicious temper, as D.D. Myers and George Stephanopoulos talk about? Is that the person that we hear screaming, I'm sick and tired, I'm not going to be told what to say, and I'm, I'm not my husband? Or is it the very calm, pleasant demeanor Hillary on the campaign trail? In an inter- oh, that's right, she doesn't do interviews. She doesn't do press conferences. She hasn't had one. You know, Trump's had 17. She hasn't had any. And what about Hillary Clinton, the liar? We've got Trey Gowdy grilling down into James Comey after the investigation, and it seems every excuse she gave as it relates to her email secret server turned out to be a lie, every single thing. And then we know she lied about Benghazi. She told her daughter, the Libyan president, the Egyptian prime minister, it was a terror attack. She told you, the American people, something entirely different, and that is that it was related to a YouTube video and a spontaneous demonstration. Meanwhile, they were watching this in real time where mortars were going off inside of the compound. And on top of that, the Clintons have enriched themselves more than anybody else to ever hold public office. And we learned just this week and last week that of half the private citizens that sold that saw Hillary Clinton when she was secretary of state, well, more than half of them had either donated to the Clinton Foundation or had pledged money to some of their foundations. And then, of course, we've got Hillary Clinton, the champion of women's rights, gays and lesbian rights, and, and, of course, freedom of religion. But she takes money from many countries that treat women horribly, like third-class citizens. And men tell them how to dress. Men tell them if they can travel or go to school or go to work. They can't drive cars. They need four male eyewitnesses if they're raped. Marital rape is not a crime. And, of course, gays and lesbians are often put to death under some Sharia countries, some Sharia law. And then, of course, you can't build a temple or you can't build a Christian church. She takes their money. They buy her silence. Who is this woman? Who's the woman that has a campaign contributor that finances Hezbollah terrorists? Why does an article today, why does Hillary turn a blind eye to those around her that have anti-Semitic or anti-Israeli points of view? You know, think back to Hillary Clinton, who changes her position like the wind. For example, there was a point in time right after 9-11, the Sunday after the Tuesday attack on 9-11-2001, 
And she was being interviewed on This Week with Sam Donaldson. And Sam Donaldson said, do you support profiling? Would that include profiling, Senator? Well, I think we have to do whatever it takes, Sam. I believe, you know, Tuesday changed everything. That's Hillary Clinton, very different from today, attacking Donald Trump. And now saying she wants a 550% increase in Syrian refugees. What impact is all of this going to have? Joining us is Lieutenant Colonel Buzz Patterson, author of Dereliction of Duty, eyewitness account of how Bill Clinton compromised America's national security. Gary Byrne, decorated White House Secret Service veteran, and he witnessed firsthand the obscenity-filled rages and violent behavior. He's the author of Crisis of Character, a White House Secret Service officer disclosing his firsthand experience with Hillary and Bill and how they operate. All right, so I guess the big question I have for both of you is the are the American people being bamboozled about who this woman really is in real life? Buzz Patterson. Well, absolutely, they are. Sonia, absolutely they are. You know, my first day on the job uh, back in 1996, I was briefing with my predecessor going over all the Black World classified programs that surrounded the White House and all the different evacuation scenarios that surrounded the presidency. And the thing that he told me there was the very first day on the job, he goes, if I can t- tell you nothing else, Sean, the one thing you cannot get away with is, is crossing her. If you piss her off, you will never recover from it. And for the next two years, I was very carefully uh, not going to upset her. I did upset him a few times, but I never upset her. But I saw her eviscerate people on a daily basis for the most trivial, insignificant uh, uh, errors or, you know, or things or bad decisions. And uh, also that very first day or two, I was told that her edict was when she was walking through the hallways of the White House, you could not make eye contact with her. She didn't want to exchange pleasantries with you. So we had um, senior staff members, Sean, adults, males and females, jumping in and out of office uh, doors and spaces to have to avoid not seeing her gaze and having to say good morning, ma'am, or good evening, ma'am. That's the person that she was from my time there from day one and continues to be that person today. What do you Colonel think? Madison's exactly right. Uh, yeah, hey Gary, That's how exactly are you? What I saw. Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, it's good to hear from you. Uh, it's exactly what I saw. Um, uh, Colonel Patterson's description is exactly what I started seeing in nineteen uh, or nineteen ninety two when they first got in the office, up until the time he got there, until the time they left. Uh, I. I I detail this very uh, well in my book, Crisis of Character, where I describe that she becomes so angry because a uniformed division officer says good morning to her that she tells him to go F off. Everything that the colonel's described is exactly right. It's just the real Hillary Clinton, and nobody wants to admit it. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you witnessed this firsthand, and the hypocrisy was on full display. You said she treated you one way when you were alone with her and, and treated you very differently if people were around. I mean, was that almost every time? If you knew she was alone, you'd be treated this way. You knew if she had a guest with her, she would put on a show. It was absolutely the way it was, Sean. It was, it was so blatant that it was just comical because I, I couldn't take her serious. I mean, first of all, she was, you know, she wasn't like she was appointed to anything. She happened to be the, the wife of the, the man that was president of the United States. Typically, her duties were to run the West Wing, the social office. And she injected herself into all this other stuff, and it was just hard to take her serious. She's someone who demonstrated this long contempt for rules that apply to everybody else but not to her. She's, she was incredible the way she treated people. And uh, I'm sure uh, Colonel Patterson um, experienced it himself. I know I did stand outside the Oval Office one day when she berated, the, you know, berated me to the point where she was cussing at me and, and demeaning the Secret Service Uniform Division because she couldn't leave... 30 or 40 uh, guests of hers in the Oval Office unescorted. 
These are rules that were based on national security law. These weren't made up by Gary Byrne of the Secret Service. She's somebody who wants these big government programs but doesn't want to follow any rules or regulations herself. And it's been repeated many, many times throughout the years. And we will see the same thing if she gets elected, guaranteed. It's happening now. You know what's amazing to me? How is it, and I'll ask both of you because you're both up close and personal to this, Buzz, how do they always get away with everything or seemingly get away with everything? Well, they have such a tightly knit group of loyalty, uh, loyalists uh, and sycophants, John, that have been following them since going back to the days of Little Rock in the Arkansas days. They are very adept and very talented at uh, circling the wagons when things go wrong. Uh, and she, quite frankly, in my, my time there, was, was the person calling all of those shots. She became the co-president when I was there. She would, had a very long reach. I think people in the staff were most afraid of her, most concerned about her reactions, and I'll give you a typical example. We flew from uh, Hilton Head, South Carolina, for a New Year's Eve vacation in St. Thomas over 1997. And uh, we had, unfortunately, Chelsea had left her school books back at the uh, hotel in Hilton Head. Well, we landed in St. Thomas, and Hillary realized that Chelsea's school books were back at St. Thomas and literally screwed herself into the ceiling of Air Force One, holding everybody accountable on the airplane, to include the air crew, except for her daughter, Chelsea. So I had to scramble an Air Force jet out of Andrews to fly down to uh, Hilton Head to pick up those books to have them delivered to Chelsea the next morning before she woke up in St. Thomas. That is the typical day-to-day Hillary Clinton. Uh, that that uh, that's how she operates. It's um, it's all about her rules be damned, and uh, she's going to get her away one way or the other. And Gary's right. If, if we if we elect her, we're going to see a couple of more of the same. What do you think, what do we not know about her views that maybe she shares in private but not in public? Can either of you address that? Well, my take on that, yeah. Sean, would be that, that what, what some of the things that we're describing are her real views. Like when I talk about her disdain for the military and for, and for, and for law enforcement, um, that is her real view. That, you know, no matter what she says anywhere else when the cameras are on, that's what I saw. She despises the military. She despises law enforcement. She despises just about anybody that can't help her. She, she walks around like she's a dictator. She's clearly got some, some deep-seated issues. I mean, I'm no psychological expert, but I am an, uh, an expert in observation. And I observed them for eight years, and I observed many, many people um, uh, of a criminal intent for over 25 years in law enforcement. There is a, a serious issue there. Well, I agree with that, too. Yeah, uh, Go ahead. Get Buzz? I would agree. Yeah, I would agree with that. Also, I think Gary's spot on. You know, uh, the Clintons see uh, they, don't, they they see uh, people only insofar as that person can help them. Is there some kind of of gain to be added to either their significance, their reelection potential, their career potential, and minorities and uh, and the like, or exactly that? They don't see uh, the black. In my in my estimation, in my opinion, they didn't see the black plight. They saw the black voter. And they had to cut these deals with a lot of groups, especially for the re-election in 1996. And one in particular that they could not stand to deal with was Jesse Jackson and the Black Congressional Coalition. And Jackson would call, as I was the call screener at night frequently, Jackson would call almost every single night trying to uh, trying to entice uh, uh, and, and, and follow up on offers that Bill and Hillary had made. And they just hardly, they never wanted to talk to him. And they had gotten their support from him and gotten their help, and he was no longer part of the picture. And that's what they do. They use people, regardless of uh, if your breed, color, uh, ethnicity, background, educational uh, <clears throat> equivalent, uniform, 
military, you know, whatever. They just use people for votes and money. Is Hillary Clinton pro-Israel? Do any of you have any information on that? What, what's the polling teller? That's how you know. If the polling teller tells you she needs to be negative towards Israel, that's what she'll be. If the polling tells her that she needs to be positive, then that's what she'll be. I know that sounds crazy to say it, but that's what way I see. No, it doesn't sound crazy because, I mean, the Sunday after the Tuesday attack on 9-11-2001, she was supporting profiling of Muslims in this country. And now she's Absolutely. excoriating. Now she wants a 550% increase in Syrian refugees. Her husband's out there on the stump saying, well, we can rebuild Detroit with Syrian refugees. We know what our national security experts are all saying about it, that ISIS and other terrorist groups will infiltrate that population. Uh, but yet, and then we know she, you know, as long as you give money, you buy access. Well, that includes even a contributor who financed Hezbollah, who was denied yeah. access into the country. Seems like there's yeah, nobody she won't take money from. That is exactly right. They will talk take money from anybody. And one of the things I think is a particular crime back in the 90s, Sean, uh, was that while we were so focused on Monica Lewinsky and what was going on with the blue dress and the, the impending impeachment, yeah, the, the Clintons were selling through Laurel uh, satellite technology and missile technology to the Chinese for money. So in my estimation, going back and looking at that, the Monica yeah. Lewinsky thing pales in comparison to the fact that we were giving one of our chief... Uh, potential enemies in this world, the ability to launch and uh, accurately target nuclear weapons to hit our shores. And that was all done for campaign donations. Well, you know, by the way, for her ad about Trump and the Klan, well, there's a Daily Beast story today. Well, she took $20,000 from the Grand Dragon of the Klan, a guy by the name of William Quigg, and uh, said he's voting for Clinton, donated $20,000 to her campaign, and except the way the media covers it here. Well, is Hillary Clinton's KKK supporter just an elaborate troll? If it's Donald Trump, it's gospel truth. It has to be they're supporting him because of ideology. In her right. case, you know, the media will jump in and make an excuse. All right, guys, thank you both for the insight. We appreciate it. When we come back, wide open telephones, toll free. It's 800-941-SEAN. Whether you're a Democrat, Republican, or Independent, you've got a right to know about the person who is running to be your president or commander-in-chief. You've got a right to know everything you need to know to judge whether a candidate will work for you, will work for the country, or is only in it for himself. Voters tend to ask candidates a few simple questions. You want to know if we'll disclose our finances so you can understand how we've managed our own household or business and see if we owe anybody anything. We want to make sure that candidates aren't involved in any foreign entanglements that could impact our national security. And we want to know that they're in good enough health to perform their duties. When candidates are on the up and up, they have no problem disclosing information on all these points. You have a right to know. You have a right to expect. And a candidate that's on the up and up has no problem giving you the facts. If a candidate is on the up and up, they have no problem giving you if there's any foreign entrapments, that they're in good enough health, and you have a right to know everything you would need to know. Are they in it for himself or herself? Wow. That's Tim Kaine talking about Hillary and all the things she won't tell us. That's hilarious. There would be an added bonus if Donald Trump wins the election. Acclaimed singer Barbara Streisand is joining the list of disgruntled celebrities threatening to leave America if Trump is elected president. This is one more big reason to elect Trump. He has no facts. I don't know. I can't believe it, she said. 
I'm either coming to your country, Australia, or if you'll let me in, Canada. Go. All right, I'll even make an offer. I'll, I'll, I'll rent a plane. Depending on the size, I'll, the size of the plane will be determined how many liberal Hollywood actor, song people, singers that are involved here. But, I mean, if it's hundreds, I'll, I'll rent a, a Delta jet if I have to. I'll pay for it myself. And I will pay for Barbara Streisand. I will pay for Sean Penn. I will pay for Michael Moore. I'll pay for all of these guys to leave. Susan Sarandon, Cher, Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, I want Whoopi to stay. I like Whoopi. Ah, oh, Whoopi. I like Whoopi. She's been so nice to me every time I met her. I know. I'm just telling you she's nice to me. We get along great. So she can stay. I don't care what her position is. No, I'm just telling you she's a nice person. Listen, I went on that stupid show years ago, and, you know, she was like the only one that was nice to me. Her and Elizabeth Hasselbeck, the only two people. All right, so I'll rent the plane. I'll pay for it. I'm going to put in Dom Perignon champagne, uh, caviar. I got to, you know, they got to travel in a style that they're accustomed to. Big Hollywood stars and big singers like Barbara Streisand. Now, they're going to have to build a consensus because I'm not flying the stupid plane all over the world and paying all that money. They're going to have to pick a single country. And when they pick the country, as long as they agree, I will pay for the plane and the camp and the champagne and caviar with one stipulation that when they leave, they have to promise never to come back. And that's the only stipulation or they have to pay me back three times what I paid. I think that's a fair deal. Anybody, a free plane to the country of their choice? I'm not sure how many countries are going to open their arms to a lot of these big Hollywood stars and singers. You don't find this amusing, do you, at all? Lifestyles of the rich and famous Barbara Streisand flying out of the United States on her way to beautiful Australia in a Boeing 767 jet provided by radio and TV commentator Sean Hannity. And in light of the fact that Donald Trump has been elected the president of the United States, on this beautiful private jet, there is Dom Perignon champagne wishes and caviar dreams. I'll take care of that. Done. Robin Leach is a good guy. All right, let's get to our busy telephones. All right. Uh, Lisa, Indianapolis, Indiana. How are you? Glad you called. I find it quite ironic that the vice presidential candidate of Hillary Clinton, Mr. Kane, is talking about how we should know about the dealings of our candidates, when I'd love to know what the price tag was for Hillary to turn a blind eye and forgive the Saudis for their oppression of women. When Hua's mother stands next to her in a burqa, she's the poster child for oppression. They stand there in their burqas and say, oh, this is a choice. Well, in Saudi Arabia, your choice is religious police beat your limbs and your body and anything exposed, or your husband can have you put to death as an infidel, or you wear a burqa. That's a great choice, in my opinion. Look, the Saudis bought her silence. All the people that contributed bought her silence, or they bought access. Or, in many instances, they got both. They don't let, look, let's not act like we're really stupid here. You don't give the Clintons, millions of dollars just because you're a nice person. The Saudis did it because they want the influence of Hillary and Bill Clinton. That's why they did it. And so, you know... I also get upset by the fact that they're propagating a lie about the fact that 
the Saudi women choose this. I've been on air flights out of Saudi Arabia. They'll come over the speaker and say, we are leaving Saudi airspace. These women go to the bathrooms, and they come out in skin-tight jeans and low-cut shirts, all made up. So when, when, when were you on those planes? Because I have actually talked to flight attendants that have been on trips to Saudi Arabia. They say the same thing. The second they get out of Saudi airspace... Out comes the booze, out comes the women, scantily clad, and the fun times begin to roll. This was back in the mid-80s when I was on the planes, and yeah, they do. They come right over the loudspeaker. Why were you you on that plane, though? Why were you on that plane? Uh, My parents worked in Saudi Arabia as contractors for the hospital systems there, and I was just a kid. Um, I got kind of dragged along with them. Yeah, I guess maybe they think Allah stops watching once you get out of Saudi airspace, and I guess that they feel that they can, you know, they can party it up. I mean, because I have been told this by so many people. You get out of Saudi airspace, out comes the booze, the women change, out come, you know, off come the clothes, and and that westernization happens almost immediately. Well, most of the men, when they get their higher education, are educated in the U.S., and Britain and in Europe, and a lot of their husbands don't mind. If their husbands don't mind, these women will change and will uh, will be westernized when they're out of the country. It's really the religious police and the oppressive totalitarian government. Well, but the thing is, is Hillary's facilitated this. 2010, I did this last night on TV. Hillary Clinton is with Uma Abedin's radicalized mother, you know, that doesn't seem to have a problem with Sharia, doesn't have a problem with genital mutilation, as she edited this book, doesn't have a problem with killing apostates uh, or Sharia law in general. And Hillary gives a speech with her in an all-girls school in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia in 2010 and says, well, we've got to get rid of the misconceptions that Saudi women are mistreated. Well, Saudi women are mistreated. They're mistreated horribly. And she did it. Why? Because she's doing it because she wants Saudi money and influence. You know, and this this goes to the heart of how America is such a stupid country. Sometimes we have more energy, more natural gas, more natural resources than all of the Middle East combined. And we're still dumb fools who are beholden to environmental extremists. And that means that we don't tap our own resources. And that means we keep the Saudis rich. We keep these Middle Eastern countries rich when all of that wealth can be transferred to the American people. And that means even the poorest American could be living a pretty luxurious life if we would just use the resources that they're smart enough to use in Saudi Arabia. They're smart. We're dumb. You know, we ought to be fracking. We ought to be drilling. We ought to be expanding coal. We ought to be using nuclear technology. Yeah, we could look for new ways to develop energy, too, in the meantime. I don't have a problem with that. But in the meantime... We ought not be dependent on one drop of Saudi or foreign oil, period, end of sentence. Think of all the Americans who could have high-paying jobs because we, we made a commitment to being energy independent. You know, think of how much military involvement we have in the Middle East. Why? Because of oil and the free flow of oil, the lifeblood of our economy at free market prices. How many foreign conflicts are we going to have to engage in there because of that? You know, at the end of the day, my whole attitude about foreign conflicts is shifting pretty dramatically. If we don't have the wherewithal to finish a fight that we start, I'm not willing to start the fight anymore. I just, you can't do it. We can't ask Americans, 5,000 of them, to go into Iraq, Afghanistan, give up their lives and their limbs and, and parents to suffer 
for the rest of their lives because their kids died? What, so then we could just give back the territory they fought, bled, and died for? I can't, we can't do it anymore. And energy independence can keep us out of the Middle East in a lot of ways and create literally millions of high-paying jobs for Americans. That could rebuild our infrastructure, save Social Security and Medicare, and pay down our debt and our deficit. So we're so stupid. And, you know, and then Hillary's out there bragging when she's going to put coal miners out of work and put coal companies out of business, and you still got half the electorate willing to vote for her. Well, you're all stupid people if you're going to vote for that. And the dumber people are the Republicans that have not come to the realization of what a Hillary presidency means for the Supreme Court, what it means for energy, what it means for Obamacare, it survives, what it means for education, that it stays at best mediocre, worse in most inner cities, you know, what it means for her spending, her taxes, her redistribution, her foreign policy disaster. That's what the election's about. And that's why I'm saying I am holding accountable more than more than Democrats. I'm holding Republicans accountable. You don't support Trump. You get the Hillary you deserve. You own her policies. You at National Review own her policies. The Wall Street Journal guys, you own it. Paul Ryan, Ted Cruz and Lindsey Graham and John McCain and Jeb Bush and uh, John Kasich, you own her Supreme Court appointments. You own what the refugees she brings into the country do. You own those people that are out of work because they have to compete with illegal immigrants. You own the debt. You own the deficit. You own Obamacare. You own coal miners out of work. Own it. You're helping her win. You own it if she wins. I'm pushing for Trump. If he wins, hold me accountable for what he does. I think that's a fair trade-off. Well, I'm accepting that he's going to be better in, in, in infinite ways than her. I'll take, that, I'll take that deal. I'm voting for Trump. So if Trump wins and he breaks his promise, then call me and tell me I was an idiot for supporting him and hold me accountable. But if you don't support Trump and you're helping Hillary as a Republican then you own her Supreme Court, and you own her refugees, and you own her health care plan, and you own every coal miner out of work, and you own all those illegal immigrants that take jobs away from Americans and drive wages down. You own the education system that she won't fix because she's beholden to the NEA. I think that's a fair trade-off. You own that, I'll own this. Back to our phones. Uh, let us say hi to... Uh, is it Diana in Daytona Beach, Florida? Hey, Diana, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm Thank good. You. What's going on? Thank you for taking my call. Um, I have a problem with the immigration um, issue that Hillary has. Um, I have two kids that I've adopted from Columbia, and I adopted them, you know, like 30 years ago. Okay. And basically, I had to jump through hoops to get them here. Um, paperwork, you know, traveling here, traveling there, whatever I had to do. And it really upsets me to the point where... These people are going to be coming in, and we're going to, what, get 10,000 or more next month, supposedly, tomorrow, um, or whenever they're actually going to do it. Um, and they just get to walk in, okay, um, probably become a citizen, um, get food stamps, get free housing, get all this stuff for free, and it's just, it's just not right. It's just not right. Well, I, you know, we're doing it, and yet we promised we wouldn't do it. You know, I talked earlier today about, you know, just one example of how bad government has failed. It's Obamacare. 
every promise made has been broken. The whole system is broken. You know, government promises one thing and delivers something entirely differently. And there are too many Americans that want to believe and they hope and they pray and they think that, well, government is going to solve their problems. Government makes things worse. Our health care system was much better before Obama and Hillary got a hold of it. You know what? Our foreign policy was better before they got a hold of it. Our economy was better before they got a hold of it. And, you know, my conscience is clear. You all supporting Hillary or you're staying out of it because you think you're so, you know, erudite and, and principled and so superior to the rest of us. You own Hillary. You own her decisions, not me. My conscience is clear, clear as day, and we won't forget. And I'm going to remind people about your, your stupidity, your arrogance, your ignorance, every single solitary day. You own it, Kasich, Bush, Lindsey, Ted. I'm sorry, Ted. You need to get off the fence. It's time. It's Labor Day. Let's go. And if you don't, how would we ever trust any of you if you run for president again? I can't trust you because you lied. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 